Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, December 31st, 2020. We are continuing our study of the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 25, the third paragraph, if you are a seriously alcoholic. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Ksenia V, 12 traditions, Adriana T, and readers of the text, Carmela G, Denise D, and Vicki V. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December 30th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 16097, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 16098. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ksenia V to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ksenia. Hi, everyone. This is Ksenia V, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for this opportunity to be of service. Everyone have a beautiful, blessed day. Happy New Year. Pass. Thank you, Ksenia V. And Adriana T. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Adriana. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for your service today. Um, This is Adriana T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Michigan. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving person may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Adriana T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we're in chapter, There is a Solution, on page 25, the third paragraph, if you are as seriously, and we will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. Carmela G., could you start us off, please?
Carmela G. from New York. A compulsive overeater recovered for today. Thank you. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to, and we were willing to make the effort. Well, it sums up over seven years ago when I would realize that every time I sat down to shove the food into my mouth, it caused me pain and my body would ache and I would say, oh, this is killing me, but I need it. So I truly understood that I was owned by the substance. And I had a choice. I could have gone on to the bitter end and died. I had a dear friend who did do just that just a week from now, three years ago. She went to the bitter end. She wallowed. She went into that hole and just let the food own her and the love that surrounded her, she was oblivious of it. But I was gifted with the fact that I learned of the allergy. I knew someone who instructed me on this book and walked me through the steps to the sunlight of the Spirit out of the hole, out of the darkness. And it wasn't that I was being forced to. I wanted to because I wanted to live. And the only way that I could live would be if I got out of myself and was willing, happily, to follow the steps and live in the steps and allow my higher power that I call God to guide me because all along my higher power wanted it for me. But he was such a gentleman. He gave me that free will. He allowed me to destroy myself because that was what I thought I wanted. So, if there's anyone out there today who truly wants to live, there's nothing like living in the steps every single day so that you can be of maximum service to God and to your fellows. And the end result is such a beautiful life full of peace and joy and happiness 
for yourself and for all those who surround you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela G. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Nessa R. Elizabeth C. Okay, I'm sorry, you both came in at the same time. Elizabeth C. Sarah R. Tim G. Rick J. Sarah R. from New York. I got you, Sarah. Thank you. Tippy J. Okay, was that, I'm sorry, I'm not catching your first name. It's Tippy. Tippy? Yeah. Okay, great. Let me tell you who I did here. Nessa R., Elizabeth T., Sarah R., Kim G., Rick J., and Tippy J. Nessa, could you start us off, please? Hi, Helene L., Thank you. Please go ahead, Nessa. Press star one to unmute, Nessa. Hi. Uh, can you hear me now? Am I unmuted? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Um, so this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this paragraph is one of my very favorite paragraphs, one of the top five um, in the whole book. And this is telling me I only have two options. I can live with spiritual help or I can die eating. And this is something that I have to believe to my core, you know, that I, that this disease will kill me. Because if I don't believe that this disease will, will kill me, then I have no impetus to do everything that needs to be done. I mean, this program is simple, but it isn't easy. You know, like it has to start with entire abstinence, which is incredibly uncomfortable. And I have to have the push to withstand the discomfort that comes with entire abstinence. Um, and if I don't believe that I can die, um, then nothing's going to help me, you know, stay abstinent long enough to work the steps and that's the other thing I have to do. I really have to work these steps with focus and consistency and commitment to the best of my ability. Um, one day at a time, but for the rest of my life. You know, and this is very drastic as it says in the book several times. This is these are very drastic proposals which I'm only willing to accept if I believe I'm gonna die. You know, and the food is really a subtle soul. You know, unlike alcohol and drugs which have immediate, severe consequences. Um, you know, food also has severe consequences, but they're not immediate. And so I can be lulled by that, you know, low-grade pain, which actually I endured for 46 years, nine of them in the rooms of OA, you know, because the pain wasn't uh, 
strong enough to propel me to um, to that willingness that is required to do this. And I, I would say willingness is not wanting to do something. Willingness is is doing it even though I don't want to, as a dear friend taught taught me. Um, and so um, that belief is is so fundamental. You know, um, I wouldn't take chemo for a cold. You know, so I better believe that I need um, that I need um, drastic measures for a drastic disease. And this is a drastic disease, and it will not only kill me physically. You know, long before it kills me physically, it's gonna kill my I don't know, I would say my higher um, functions, my higher attributes, it will kill my soul, it will kill my mind, and it will kill my heart, you know, and it will do that without me noticing because the pain is so subtle. So um, that belief that I can live with spiritual health or um, diet, diet eating um, is, is, is fundamental here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Elizabeth T., it's your turn, followed by Sarah R. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. That's, um, thank you for your service. Um, I'm Elizabeth D., um, recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. Um, this, this paragraph is, is really one of my top favorite paragraphs in the entire big book. Um, and I, I realize that we are where we are in the in the text is really in step one but for me this paragraph uh, represents a turning point on um, around my working step two actually which as we know is came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity so in the text it says uh, we were in a position where life was becoming impossible and if we passed into the region from which there's no re- return from human aid we have but two two alternatives one was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual health. The last time that I worked um, the steps uh, with a recovered guide, I was coming off um, a terrible uh, relapse. Um, Actually, they're all terrible, and they only get worse in my case. Um, This was three years ago, and she asked me a question. We were in step two, and she asked me a question. She said, Elizabeth, go back to page 25 and read that paragraph at the bottom. I read it. And she said, so I want to ask you a question. She said, uh, what is your intolerable situation? In other words, what is the intolerable situation for you that you're trying to blot out? And um, I said, well, I, I couldn't answer. I didn't know the answer. I just was like, well, I guess being in the food and you know, hurting myself with food. And she said, well, you know what? That's not my intolerable situation. I said, well, what's yours? And she said, my intolerable situation is being abstinent without a higher power. Oh my gosh, that just, just, just hit me right between the eyes. And I realized that for years that my problem was that I was using OA as a diet with group support. And I didn't think that I needed to work the steps. I just need to get, just keep going to these meetings and work the food program and get the support, et cetera. And, and that's all I need to do. But the problem was during that 10 years, it was intolerable. My life was becoming impossible, despite the fact that I was thin and I was, quote, abstinent, unquote. But here's the thing. I wasn't entirely abstinent, but that's a whole other story. The point here is that I can go on and delude myself that I am abstinent for a long, long time and use this program as a, as a, as a diet with group support, not realizing that 
I'm miserable. Well, I am really, I'm miserable, but I can't figure out why. The solution to my problem was to accept spiritual help, entirely abstinent. And this, I had passed through the place where there was no return through human aid. And it doesn't matter the sponsor I have or the tools I'm working. I need the steps in order to be, to be restored to sanity. So that's my experience with this paragraph. Um, I know it's a little bit of out, of, out of order, but it, it means a lot to me, and um, I'm hoping that, that that's helpful to somebody. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you. May Elizabeth. I ask where we are in the big book? We're on page 25, the third paragraph, if you are as seriously. Okay, so Sarah R., it's your turn, followed by Kim G. Good morning, Sarah. Hi, good morning. Are you able to hear me well? I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. Okay, great. My name is Sarah R. I'm from New York. I want to thank you so much for your service and thank all of you on the line. I haven't shared in a while because... Things have been really, really hard for me. And, you know, once upon a time, there was a girl named Sarah from New York, and she joined the rooms back in in July, and everything was great. And I felt like I was working such a great program. And, you know, what we're reading today about this this beautiful spiritual awakening, about how this is really the only way to live. And then a few weeks back my higher power decided that I needed to change up my food plan. And instead of just praying about it and, you know, working the steps around it, everything stopped. My disease thoughts have taken over. And I've been indignant. I've been angry. I've been grieving. I've been jealous. And it's funny because I don't usually feel jealous. And, you know, all these things that, that we're reading today once we are in the program and, you know, in terms of it being a matter of life and death, I was like, I just eat too much. And, but that, that's, that's not the case. You know, my, I had a grandmother who had diabetes, had a stroke, and for 17 years couldn't talk or use her right side of her body. And, family members of mine have these diseases from food. And I was told just around a year ago that my sugars were too high and I'm seconds away from having that. But I can't identify with that fact. It hasn't hit me. So instead of just working this program and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to do it my way and just once it, like, like a small little thing, I'm out of, as it says over here on this page, this, that I'm out of the spirituality. I'm, I'm out of it. And I'm just back to disease thoughts. And it's funny because for so many years, life was so, so negative. And then working these, like I, I, I made it up to step four and a half, you know, like halfway through step four. And I just, I paused everything because, and, and now thank God, by the grace of my higher power, I have everything that I have prayed for. But outside of working this program, this beautiful spiritual bliss, I just, all I know is negativity. And, you know, I'm trying to find excuses. I'm trying to blame people. And 
when in reality, I have this beautiful, beautiful program. I have this beautiful higher power and, you know, I'm so happy that we're, we're in this, this paragraph, you know, when we were reading yesterday about that, you know, that index and, you know, and then I'm like, all right. And I'll, with this, I'll finish up. And then I was like, you know, how do I get back into it? And all I need to do is, is pray for the willingness. So thank you all for holding me while it's hard for me to hold myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sarah R. Kim G., it's your turn, followed by Rick J. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And uh, I love this paragraph. You know, seriously alcoholic. You know, I, I think a lot of us think of that as the consequences of our addiction. You know, like I'm more alcoholic if I've been arrested for a DUI seven times versus one time. I'm more of a compulsive overeater if I'm 100 plus pounds overweight versus 50 pounds, or I throw up 30 times a day versus five times a day. And that's not what they're talking about. It's the simplest idea that, you know, do I have this allergy of the body and do I have this mental twist? You know, can I eat my binge food safely and can I be abstinent contently? And my answer is no to both of them. So I am seriously alcoholic. So I am faced with this idea of the intolerable situation. And what I was taught in this big book, which was different than what I internalized in the rooms of OA, I'm not saying even what's what's said, but what I internalized was I thought the intolerable situation was being in the food. And as long as that intolerable situation was being in the food, then simply being abstinent would be enough. If my problem was simply being fat, then losing the weight would be enough. My problem is, sobriety, abstinence. Abstinence is so painful. I get restless. I get irritable. I get discontent. Those bedevilments do not happen to me when I'm in the food. Those bedevilments happen to me when I am sober. And in fact, the solution to those bedevilments is to numb myself in the food. My God, when people talked about back-to-back abstinence, I wanted to bitch slap them. Because you want me to be absent in the morning, the evening, and the afternoon, day after day, that is intolerable. And when I understand that that is my intolerable situation, I have two alternatives. One is to blot out the consciousness, which means to pick up the food. And the other is to go for spiritual help, which is to pick up the steps. So where am I? Because once again, if I just have a food problem, then the urgency is for the diet or for abstinence. But when I get to the point where life was becoming impossible, when I cannot live with the food and I cannot live without the food, if my intolerable situation is abstinence, then there's an urgency to get through these steps. There is an urgency to get that connection with power. And until I understood that I was screwed, that I have an allergy of the body, which means that when I get thin, doesn't mean I can moderate my binge foods. When I get through these steps, doesn't mean I can go back to my binge foods on my birthday or for another reason, that it is a permanent condition. I can never have those foods again. And that I understand that step one doesn't say don't eat. Step one says I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat because it's an intolerable situation being abstinent one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Rick J., it's your turn, followed by Tippy J. 
Good morning, Rick. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Rick J. I am a um, compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Recovered, but not cured, as my dear friend says. Um, yeah, talk about packed. Um, yeah, I really loved listening to all the shares. And, uh, you know, and I'm right, um, I'm right in there, you know, um, no middle of the road solution. And I love how, you know, when I'm looking at pages 24 and 25 here, you know, my, my little highlighter has been busy <laughs> and on page 24, you know, I see that there's two facts that they're talking about. Um, you know, the, uh, one of the fact is, uh, the fact is that I've lost the power of choice. Um, and then down at the bottom, you know, there's the stark and ugly fact that I'm beyond human aid and I may die or go permanently insane. And on page 25, there's these facts, the great fact and the central fact. And, um, you know, we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences, revolutionized our whole attitude. Um, central fact, absolute certainty, a creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed <laughs> miraculous, you know. And commits to accomplish those things for us, which we could never do by ourselves. And, you know, beyond human aid, that to me is is uh, hopeless. And then it says again in this paragraph we just read today, there's no return. So I'm beyond human aid and there's no return to human aid. If that's not powerless, I, I don't know what is. But uh, then we've got this beautiful... Um, reminders like and it's it's not just a reminder it's it's the way out um you know the top of the page it says there is a solution down at the bottom of the page it says to accept spiritual help that's the solution but i have to be the one who makes the decision and acknowledges to my and concedes to my innermost self that i am powerless that that's me if there's any doubt if there's any like twinkling of an idea that I am not there, then he will continue to eat and I'll continue to do it Rick's way. I just, I will. And I've proven that time and time again until I got to the point where I could not go on. The emotional pain was too much. It was too much. I could not exist in a life with that much emotional pain. And I needed spiritual help in the most desperate kind of way. And with that gift of desperation, I was launched into the actions that I took for myself because I wanted to change. Nobody else could do that for me. But anyway, that's all I have. And uh, good to be here with all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Tippy J, it's your turn, followed by Helene W. Please go ahead, Tippy. Hi, good morning. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Tippy J. I'm a compulsive overeater in recovery. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your service and for your shares this morning. Um, this is probably also one of my favorite sentences. We had but two alternatives. One was to go to the theater and then the other was to accept spiritual help. So two things come to mind with this sentence. The first one is the fact that in my 
uh, distorted thinking and, and my insane thinking, these are actual equal opportunity options. Uh, I can actually choose either one or the other. Um, and just realizing how insane that thought is and how crazy it is to think that uh, I can just choose to blot out my intolerable situation or I can surrender and accept spiritual help. Um, the other thing that I'm noticing here is to accept the spiritual help. You know, I don't have to devise spiritual help. I don't have to figure it out. It's been laid at my feet. Um, there is a solution. People have done this before me. I just have to do what I'm told to do. Um, I don't have to come up with this on my own. I just need to accept spiritual help. And then the very important last line, which I'm really focusing on this morning when I'm when I heard this being read, is that we did um, this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. I need to want to do this and and then actually do this in order for it to come to pass. Um, thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Tippy J. And Helene W., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I'm Helene L. I don't usually speak on this meeting, but um, I've been away from killing myself with food uh, for about 48 years, and it was through the program. Uh, and what was it that did it for me? Um, it was really someone else speaking to right into my soul, telling me that she had done exactly what I did and there was hope and she had changed. And if that isn't the big book, I don't know what it is. Uh, and I was sitting on steps in New York City. We couldn't get into the meeting room. I had decided I had been almost out of four-story window Saturday night uh, the week before, uh, putting my foot outside the window and ready to jump. And something inside me said, don't do it, Helene. There's more to life than this. And that week I found this woman, and we couldn't get into the meeting room, and she just sat on the steps with me, and she told me there was a solution. And I believed her because she was like me. And that changed my life one day at a time. I didn't believe it at first. I've been through the steps. I believe in the big book. Um, what my life is about today is about having impact, about carrying the message to other people, not just in the program, but around the world. I believe there's a soul sickness and a soul malady now happening in the world, and I believe I'm one of the chosen few, like all of us are, given a way of living. I must say, I'm not. I I look at TV commercials, and I have to repeat to myself the way it was, and make a choice every day that I don't want to go back to it. Um, that uh, I don't have a desire to overeat, yet I'm caught at times. 
and I have to pray. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way. I can't do it on my own. Honestly, none of it could I do. Diet clubs never worked for me. Um, all these food programs never worked for me. The only thing that worked was uh, having another person who told me there was a solution, and she, I believed her because she was speaking the truth. That's it. Thank you, Helene L. So for those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later, we are continuing our study of the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 25, the third paragraph. If you are as seriously, and we're reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. So if you haven't shared yesterday or the day before, sorry, if you did, please step back and let others have a turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Melissa. Jen A. From the UK. Maybe. Jen A. Okay. Can I tell you Katie who I did here, please? Thank you. I heard Melissa C., Jen A., and Katie F. There was a gentleman I missed. No K. Somebody K? Chuck K. Chuck, thank you. Okay, now who else did I miss? Noelle E. from the UK. Somebody E. Noelle E. from the UK. Ross M. There's some... Thank you, Russ. Okay, thank you. I'm going to stop there. I'll tell you who I did get, and I missed a couple of people. I have Melissa C., Jen A., Katie F., Chuck K., Russ M. There's somebody E. from the U.K. No? Noel E.? Noelle E. Claire okay, E. Great. UK. Are you saying Pat? Claire. Claire, thank you. Okay, our lineup then is Melissa C., Jen A., Katie F., Suck K., Claire E., Noelle E., and Russ M. So, Melissa, could you start us off? Did you please? get Nadia? Did you get Nadia E.? Hi. I do now. Thank you. Hi. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thank you for your service this morning and hearing me. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, um, you know, when I read this, it's you're as, if you're a serious, you know, serious compulsive overeater, not just like, um, you know, I need to lose some weight or, or I'm having just this little problem. And, and that means, like, there's a self-diagnosis that's required. I have to be certain that this is a serious problem. And, you know, how did I know it was a serious problem? No one had to tell me that. You know, that that comes from within. Um, and I knew it was a serious problem because my life was becoming impossible. And, you know, and I didn't need anyone to point out the impossibility of my life um, because no one knew my misery better than me. And, you know, like, so what does it look like to be living an impossible life? Um, I couldn't tolerate living as me. Like, 
to feel unhappy living as who you are. I felt like, um, you know, my experience was I just felt like I physically took up too much space in the world. And, you know, um, I know not everybody experiences this disease as morbid obesity, but that's the way I did. And, um, and you know, so living in that body, I felt betrayed by my form. You know, I would walk on a plane or walk in a public place and I could see everyone look at me and quickly look away and you know and I could see in their eyes they were thinking God don't let her sit next to me and what felt really impossible about that was that I felt that way about myself too and and yet the only thing that gave me comfort you know walking through a plane like that having people look away was settling down in my seat and eating more food, right? And and that's what was impossible, that the only thing that seemed to lift the pain of living was the food. And really um, what was really struck me about this is that my only hope was to blot out unconsciousness, like to blot out my own awareness of my misery. And that means like living half dead. And what really was impossible about that was that it required so much food to get me to numb that I actually was in pain, so I couldn't get numb anymore because to numb out my consciousness meant that my body was in pain. And that, for me, was the jumping-off point. And, and, um, and at that point, I accepted spiritual help. I didn't negotiate with spiritual help, which is also the requirement, which meant I just had to say yes. And today, I just continue to live that way. I say yes to the spiritual help that came as the result of working these steps. And I don't live an impossible life anymore. And thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Jen A., it's your turn, followed by Katie F. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Thanks for taking the meeting this morning. My name is Jen A. I'm recovered here in Colorado. And... Um, you know, it says again at the bottom of this page, it said it at the bottom of the last one, no return through human aid. And how do I know that there's no re- return through human aid? Um, well, before page one even started in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they added all these XXVIs and I's. And the doctor told me the exact reason why human aid was not going to work for me. And, you know, I exhausted pretty pretty much every idea of human aid. Every that then you're breaking up we're getting every other word oh thank you so much can you hear me now Lynn yeah that's better thank you oh yeah thank you so um you know in the doctor's opinion the doctor speaks to me and what does he tell me he says you know what he's human aid right doctors for me were human aid Gym was human aid. Um, Diet and calorie clubs were human aid, right? I'm talking about Weight Watchers and all the other things like that. And Dr. Silfgore says, you know what? I'm going to admit that I am powerless over your disease as well. He admits powerless in that chapter. He tells us what? Not only that we have an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind, but that it is going to take an entire psychic change for me to recover. That's what we're talking about today right? I can continue to eat. I continue to go to all these places. I continue to take pills and potions and do this and do that. But the reality is, is none of that's going to work. 
Dr. Silkor says, I can dry you drunks out, but I can't keep you sober. And what's it going to take? And for me, it was, oops, I did it again. I walked through door number one. Oops, I did it again. I walked through door number one. Or I can walk through door number two. And that's to accept spiritual help. Because what I learned in this program is that the solution is not in the slogans, right? Um, that there are no celebrity sponsors, no bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, no pixie dust, right? I'm not going to find it in a food plan. And guess what? It's not going to be on the pages of my journals, journal after journal after journal. Where it is and where I found it is in the 12 steps in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and dependence and guidance on a higher power. I got to get really clear about the solution or I'm going to keep going through door number one and I'm going to keep eating and I'm going to keep trying all the things that I've tried my entire life. Not working for a girl like me. That's what I had to figure out. And when I was desperate, dying, doomed and out of ideas, the God idea entered and it sounded like this. Help me, God. And I let go. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Katie F., it's your turn, followed by Chuck K. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, I thought that um, I had surrendered so many times when I was in OA for the first six years. And I wanted to believe that there was a middle of the road solution that I could, you know, follow along um, with these guidelines when it was convenient. And then when it wasn't, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't bite me, that it wouldn't um, give me the consequences that it gave every single time. So it wasn't until I had a year long relapse and saw how far down I could go that, um, that my life was becoming more and more impossible, that I was functioning less and less um, in recovery, in or not in recovery, but in the rooms. That's what had to be the teacher for me, was this, this disease had to teach me that there is no middle-of-the-road solution, that I cannot um, use this as a buffet and take what I want and leave the rest. Um, which is what I'd been told in some of the rooms that I'd been in was, you know, listen to what we have to say, take what you want and leave the rest. <laughs> and that just doesn't work. I had to be all in. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what was required of me. I didn't understand because I had um, blinders on to my own disease and to what um, this disease could really do to me until it started doing to me what I thought would never happen. I thought I would never um, eat certain ways. I thought, you know, that I was figuring things out. And then the rug was completely pulled out from under me. And I was face down in the food day after day after day after day, not wanting to, not enjoying it, not because I was invited to, a, you know, to go out and do something fun, but because I could not stop. And I had had periods of that before, but this went on day after day for, like I said, almost a year. And it was in that time that I accepted the fact that I didn't know anything. I accepted the fact that all the knowledge I had of this big book and of the program meant nothing because I had not truly surrendered. And there is only one answer for me, and that is a spiritual solution. It isn't the spiritual part of the program. This is a spiritual program. And I thought that I was a, you know, devout um, 
Christian girl, but that wasn't doing me any good either. So I really thought that I was doomed. I thought that I was doomed to misery and death because I thought that I had done everything. I thought I had done what I was supposed to do. And in fact, I had done nothing. And so surrender comes in all different forms. And I really cannot give you exactly what happened because it was God stepping in and taking over and giving me the willingness that I had always lacked. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Chuck K., it's your turn, followed by Claire E. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. This is Chuck from Georgia. And I love this paragraph. This is such a beautiful paragraph. But it also contains those two little words. It begins with if, and there's another if. And those two little words have been responsible for my relapses, and I know relapses in a lot of other people, because I didn't believe this applied to me. Those two little screwball words kept me in the food, sometimes without even knowing it, while I was in program, while I was sponsoring, while I was talking to other people. Those two little crafty words had my ego on fire because there was a part of me that believed this doesn't really apply to me. I can keep away from the food on my own. I don't need to do any of these things. That ego part of me was always there. And, you know, there was a part of me that believed that this would work, and then there was another part that didn't. And I was hopeless, and I didn't even know it. I couldn't see it. And so if you're in that same position, well, well, how do you fight that? What do you do when you feel that way deep down inside that this doesn't apply? Or like I heard earlier, when it comes right down to it, I want to do what I want to do. That ego part of me. And for me, it's the action that I take. And we hear that before. And what did that action look like for me? Well, primarily that action meant continuing to engage in programs continuing to go to the meetings that I go to, continuing to listen to people and talk to people, continuing to be open-minded at least enough to show up. But that only got me so far. Some of the other actions that I had to take is to finally be honest and let people know what I am and am not doing. What am I eating? Am I weighing and measuring my food? Am I doing my step 11? Am I actually doing the work? Am I doing the work to check the box off, or am I doing the work for the purpose of, the, of this book, which is to grow and enlarge our spirit, my spiritual life? Or am I just checking off a number of step tens that I'm doing in a day, and I'm bookending my day, and I'm not really giving my heart to the higher power of my understanding? Am I sharing that with someone else rather than to the God of my understanding? And so all of these actions culminated into me finally getting to a place where my hair was on fire, and I was willing to do this work, not just for a short period of time, but to pick this work up every single day. And not only that, the further along I go, the more and different work I have to do, because my disease is going to get stronger. So those two little screwball words, if, if they're plaguing you, take action. That's what I had to do. And even if it doesn't feel like it's going to work, just keep doing it. Because we all know what we're like when we're not. We're eating food out of the garbage. We're making ourselves throw up. We can't bend down and pick our pencils up off the floor and all sorts of other crazy stuff. So thanks for letting me share, and have a good day. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, 
Claire E., it's your turn, followed by Noelle E. Good morning, Claire. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for hearing me, and thank you to everybody on the line. I feel very humbled by the shares this morning. Just fantastic sharing on this brilliant paragraph. Um, yeah, I was a serious alcoholic, um, a serious compulsive eater. Um, I think I saw when I came into the fellowship plenty of people who were able, for some reason, to work a middle of road solution. And I wanted to be like them. I wanted to pitch up to a meeting once every couple of weeks and sort of use a tool here and there. And um, oh, that's how I perceived how they were doing it anyway. Um, but that didn't work for me. That really didn't work for me. And I picked up the food over and over again. And I think I had a real misperception that abstinence was the end game. Um, and like people have shared, for me, what's really, what's really um, shifted so fundamentally in my understanding of this is that abstinence is the ticket in the door. And the end game here is these alternatives. You know, I have, and, and I, I think a previous speaker actually once explained it on a workshop, that these are alternatives, not choices. If I don't do one of these, the other one will happen. So I have these alternatives. I either go on to the bitter end, trying to middle of the road solution it, trying to sort of medicate my compulsive eating with, with half half solutions, or I accept spiritual help. Those are the two alternatives I face. And it's sort of led me on to what is accepting spiritual help. And um you know, I'm a chronic relapser. I, I, I spent a lot of years in these programs, in the program, sort of in, in periods of sort of recovery and sort of abstinence and then picking up again and getting back into the illness. And when I was in the illness, I didn't really, you know, there was part of me that didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. I kind of felt like, well, you know, other people have asthma or, you know, diabetes. I'll just learn to live with it. Um, but that was an intolerable situation too. And in the end, I had to expect spiritual help. Um, and I did that. I had to just set aside everything I thought I knew about myself and the illness and the program and the, and the big book to be open minded and have a new experience with all of those things. And I'm so, so glad I did, you know, and, and as been shared, I had to I had to get honest. I had to let people in. I had to um, take direction. I had to do as I was told. I had to quit the arguing. I had to quit the ego. Um, I had to surrender at depth to people who knew what, because my best thinking had got me into this miserable, unhappy, um, white-knuckling state. And that is just an intolerable way to live life. Um, so, yeah, I would really encourage anyone who who who, um, who faces I still face these alternatives. I was about to say everyone else faces them. I still, you know, and I want to accept spiritual help these days because I absolutely know the benefit that brings me. Um, and I know that my way is just, <laughs> not a great way to live um thank you to everyone thank you for the help provision that they've given me over 2020 um in in my recovery it's been um, an amazing group to be part of and with that i will pass thank you claire e and i'm sorry for the others on the list we it is now time to close the meeting so thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to our tremendous team thursday Ksenia V, Adriana T, Carmela G, Denise B, Vicky V, Devorah S, and Leslie W. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this morning, Thursday, December 31st, the 7 a.m. meeting is 16104. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Denise B. please read A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to be Suggestive Only.
press star one to unmute Denise. Sorry about that, Lynn. Uh, thank you so much. Denise B., uh, gratefully recovered in New York City. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.